Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. And you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guest William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll be talking about what's going on in Capitol Hill. Dr. Bob McClure, he's the president of the James Madison Institute. We'll be talking about last night's uh, debate, catfight, <laughs> uh, between uh, DeSantis and uh, Newsom. We'll also visit with Mac Chionis. He is a real estate professional with Gulf Coast International Properties. We're talking about tips for first-time uh, buyers in Southwest Florida. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, space architecture and author of many books, will be joining us as well. <clears throat> it is December the 1st. And on this day in 1955, Rosa Parks was jailed in Montgomery, Alabama for refusing to give up her seat on a public bus to a white man, a violation of the city's racial segregation laws. The successful Montgomery bus boycott, organized by a young Baptist minister named Martin Luther King Jr., followed Parks' historic act of civil disobedience. The mother of the civil rights movement, as Rosa Parks is known, was born in Tuskegee, Alabama in 1913. She worked as a seamstress and in 1943 joined the Montgomery chapter of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP. According to the Montgomery City Ordinance in 1955, African Americans were required to sit at the back of the public buses and were also obligated to give up those seats to white riders if the front of the bus was filled up. Parks was the first uh, row of the black section when a white driver demanded that she give up her seat to a white man. Parks' refusal was spontaneous but was not merely brought about by her tired feet, as the popular legend says. In fact, local civil rights leaders had been planning a challenge to the Montgomery's racist bus laws for several months, and Parks had been privy to this discussion. Learning of Parks' arrest, the NAACP and other African-American activists immediately called for a bus boycott to be held by black citizens on Monday, December the 5th. Word was spread by flyers and activists uh, formed the uh, Montgomery Improvement Association to organize the protest. The first day of the bus boycott was a great success. And that night, the 26-year-old Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. told a large crowd gathered at the church, the great glory of American democracy is the right to protest for right. King emerged as the leader of the bus boycott and received numerous death threats from opponents of integration. At one point, his home was bombed, but he and his family escaped uh, bodily harm. Uh, the boycott stretched on for more than a year, and participants carpooled or walked miles to work and school when no other means were possible. As African Americans previously con constituted 70% of the Montgomery bus ridership, the municipal transit system suffered gravely during the boycott. On November 13, 1956, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down Alabama's state, uh, uh, their Montgomery City bus segregation laws as being in violation of the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. On December the 20th, King uh, issued the following statement, the year-old protest against city buses officially called off and the Negro citizens of Montgomery are urged to re uh, return to the buses tomorrow morning on a non-segregated basis. 
the boycott ended the next day, Rosa Parks was among the first to ride the newly desegregated buses. Martin Luther King Jr. and his nonviolent civil rights movement had won its first great victory. There would be uh, many more to come, of course. And Rosa Parks died on October the 24th, 2005. Three days later, the U.S. Senate passed a resolution to honor Parks by allowing her body to lie in honor in the U.S. Rotunda, Capitol Rotunda. What a great story. And again, nonviolent uh, action on the part of Martin Luther King. He was a great leader. Things of uh, the race baiters today are uh, no measure against uh, Martin Luther King Jr., well, Dow Jones Industrial Average surged Thursday to a new high for the year thanks to optimism around cooling inflation. The surge capped off an excellent November for stocks, uh, with all three major indexes gaining at least 8%. That's fabulous. The Fed's preferred inflation measure increased 3% in October, down from 3.4% in September, and getting closer to the central bank's much ballyhooed target of 2%. A drop in gas prices down 4.9% from the previous month was a major factor. Increases in core prices, which uh, strip out food and energy costs, also slowed last month. In the last six months, core inflation has grown at a 2.5% annual rate, down significantly from 5.1% last year. The, uh, the news means the Fed will likely keep interest rates unchanged at the final 2023 meeting on December the 12th and 13th, and that's good news. So inflation, getting a handle on it, is starting to come down. That's good news. Well, last night, a ceasefire deal between Israel and Hamas expired, bringing it into a seven-day pause in fighting. Shortly after, the military, uh, Israel, Israeli military confirmed it resumed combat operations in Gaza and said Hamas violated the operational pause by firing a rocket towards Israel. Now, for the first time since November the 24th, expulsions and explosions and gunfire are being reported in Gaza. It comes as a cater and uh, Egypt try to extend the truce for another two days. It's unclear when the remaining hostages and Palestinian prisoners will be released. The pause led to Israel exchanging 240 Palestinian prisoners for Hamas's release of 110 hostages and much-needed uh, aid entering Gaza. Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu has repeatedly vowed to crush Hamas uh, once the truce expired. Again, ahead of the ceasefires and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken urged the Israeli government to have a plan to protect civilians in Gaza if the fighting resumed. Boy, is that weak. Uh, many hoped <clears throat> there would be a last-minute deal to extend the truce to a third time. Now fighting is officially restarted in a war with a death toll in the thousands. So there was some positive things that came from that, but uh, now uh, the Israeli Army is marching towards uh, South Gaza. Yesterday, in a face-off that no one asked for, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis debated Governor Gavin Newsom in Georgia on immigration, gun control, abortion, and more. DeSantis is running for president. Newsom says he's not, or at least not yet, anyhow. Still, the debate went ahead with uh, Fox's Sean Hannity as the moderator. Newsom pitched himself as the Biden administration's number one cheerleader, We'll extend the discussion with uh, Dr. Bob McClure from the James Madison Institute later in the show. The next primetime uh, showdown, of course, is next week with the GOP presidential candidates taking the stage, probably minus uh, President Donald Trump. 
Well, yesterday, the Environmental Protection Agency proposed a rule that would remove all lead water pipes within 10 years, potentially costing utility companies and taxpayers at least $30 billion. There's still about uh, 9 million lead pipes in the United States, with many located in Illinois and Rhode Island. One group found in 2021 that more than half of the U.S. population drank water from pipes carrying elevated levels of lead. That threatens to put them at a higher risk for cancer, stroke, and kidney disease and creates growth and de developmental issues for children. The EPA is expected to roll out a final rule in uh, the fall. Now, my personal opinion about this is I think it's great that the EPA is providing this kind of information, but where do non-elected officials go about making rules, which really amount to tantamount to laws, uh, we, that information should be passed on and uh, legislators should make decisions based on that information. And, uh, of course, uh, voters should make decisions at the ballot box if people aren't taking and uh, their elected officials aren't taking the appropriate actions. So the Supreme Court, I'm going to be talking about this in a little while with uh, William Yateman. He's a, a senior legal fellow with the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation about uh, the Supreme Court view on <clears throat> what's going on with these alphabet agencies. Well, a prominent leader with the Black Lives Matter movement has announced his endorsement of former President Donald Trump's candidacy for the 2024 White House race. The BLM's uh, Rhode Island co-founder, Mark Fisher, appeared on Fox & Friends to discuss the growing number of black voters considering a departure from the Democrat Party in the upcoming presidential election. Fisher, in his conversation with Lawrence Jones, pointed out what he viewed as Democrats' hypocritical and racially biased policies that negatively affect the black community. We are not oblivious, he said. The African-American population can discern who genuinely supports us and who does not. It's evident that the Democrat Party falls in the latter category, he said. He went on to explain that the Democrat policies have a detrimental impact on both the black and nuclear families, as opposed to the policies advocated by Trump that aim to uplift the community. Fisher emphasized this point during an interview on the Kim Iverson show. According to him, the Democrat Party fall, fails to recognize the value of the black vote, while Trump is the polar opposite, someone unafraid to express unvarnished truth. In my lifetime, he said, <clears throat> there's been no president who has done more for the black community than Donald Trump, Fisher remarked. Well, just let that sink in. Uh, disturbing signals from Democrats sounding, uh, sounded following a New York Times-Siena College poll revealing Trump's unprecedented surge in support from black voters within the uh, battleground states where President Biden secured victory in 2020. So interesting. And in addition to that, well, uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats are hemorrhaging Latino support in 2024. In fact, the trend grows. Uh, the, into perhaps the biggest single liability for the left in next year's election. Liberal site Axios sent up a warning flare declaring the breakdown in Biden's Hispanic support as an alarming re-election threatening full-blown crisis <clears throat> for the White House. The latest uh, developed battleground state polling for my organization, the League of uh, American Workers, validates this assessment and points to potential seismic gains for the cause of patriotic populism among the Hispanics in this election cycle. Specifically, the latest survey uh, highlights massive Hispanic dissatisfaction with Biden and leftist policies in the key battleground uh, of Arizona, one of the most Hispanic states in America. 
the overall mood of America darkens primarily due to the economic anxiety caused by the Biden mismanagement. Arizonans reflect this national malaise, malaise at only 18% of Grand Canyon State voters support the American dream and think that it is still attainable. Uh, President uh, Biden, again, uh, not giving high, high praise from really any minority group in these, in these uh, days. <clears throat> and former President Donald Trump, frontrunner, of course, in the, uh, put out an op-ed in Newsweek, and he, the, promising to make America great for young, again for young people. American voters have it within their power to quickly return our country to peace, prosperity, and strength, and no one will benefit from being, uh, bringing that change to our nation's capital more than young people, said uh, uh, President Trump in his op-ed. That's why next November, tens of millions of young people will be casting their vote to end Joe Biden's failed presidency and to finish the job of making America great again. That from former President Donald Trump. <clears throat> This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Give them a call. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow with Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. 
or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you that Lulubee's Diner, we just heard the commercial, is now serving dinner Wednesdays through Saturdays, 4 to 8 p.m., and the menu is just terrific. I hope you stop by Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., for our terrific, great value for dinner. Very casual. Don't need a reservation. Just stop by. You'll really enjoy it. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Bob McClure, president of the James Madison Institute. Right now we have with us William Yateman, senior legal fellow with the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. We're a nonprofit law firm, and we defend Americans for free from government overreach and abuse all for the benefit of having great policy and laws on the books. Uh, PacificLegal.org is the website. So I was hoping you could bring us uh, up to date with what's happening in terms of the Congress spending uh, <laughs> cat fight up there on Capitol Hill. What's going on? Well, indeed, yeah, as, as Congress turns. Um, so the big news this week was uh, Speaker Mike Johnson gave a talk before the Senate GOP caucus in which he said that if deals are not reached on spending um, by these staggered deadlines that we've talked about before and the, um, the, the spending stopgap, then he saw uh, it, it, as it being inevitable that Congress would pass a year-long continuing resolution or, you know, another, I guess, a year-long stopgap of the sort we've talked about before, the sort we've bemoaned before, this sort of spending autopilot. There's a catch, however. Um, so tucked away in the debt limit deal uh, reached uh, earlier this year uh, is a provision that calls for sequestration, which is a mandatory 1% spending cuts uh, for both defense and non-defense spending if Congress were to, again, uh, if by April 1st, 2023, we are uh, stuck in another stopgap spending measure. Um, the long and short of it is that what Speaker Johnson was signaling is that he's willing to play hardball, um, is that if he does not get what he wants, then he is content proceeding with one of these stopgap measures, which normally would be a terrible thing, but in this instance, due to the sequestration provision and the debt limit deal, would trigger meaningful cuts. And indeed, these cuts um, would not fall uh, equally on defense and non-defense spending. They would be far steeper for the non-defense spending. So this is actually something that sounds quite attractive. Uh, now, the next question becomes, what does Speaker Johnson want? I mean, you know, to what end would he be playing hardball? Mm-hmm. And it's a little unclear here. Um, he also signaled this week that he is, uh, he is in line with the top-line numbers reached in that debt limit deal. That's $1.59 trillion worth of spending for the next f- uh, fiscal year. Uh, well, I mean, if, if he's willing to accede to that... Um, then what does he want? Uh, uh, possible, uh, it's unclear, but possibilities that have been bandied about are that he wants that top-line number, $1.59 trillion, to actually be a hard number. Um, that is to say that he wants no budget gimmicks, he wants no spending on top of that. Um, at the same time, 
He is also likely keen on what are known as policy riders to these appropriations measures. And what that means is it's a, a non-spending policy bill coupled with the spending bill, uh-huh. um, and in particular on immigration policy. So it, it still is a fluid situation. However, um, in this particular instance, in this particular context, the prospect of another punt, of another stopgap measure, uh, uh, isn't the same, uh, isn't what it has meant in the past. Uh-huh. And that is to say, it were to trigger the sequestration provision. So uh, uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, again, we've got 15 legislative days until the holidays, and then I believe it's uh, January 19th when that first spending deadline is due. Uh, situation is fluid, um, but that's the latest. Well, what about the regular order and all the the flap that we've had about having uh, the budget process reinstalled since the 90s and, and back to the way it should operate? What's happened to that? That is still very much part and parcel of Speaker Johnson's platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so the top-line numbers, top-line spending figures, are somewhat distinct from those 12 appropriations measures. Uh, you can think of it as the top-line figure is how much they can spend, whereas the appropriation measures themselves would be how they spend it. Um, now, there's two ways to go about appropriating, and I'll note this. We, in the past, um, the top-line number would have been figured, uh, would have been determined after the 12 appropriations bills were put together through regular order. What we've got here is sort of a mix of the old and the new, unfortunately, and by that I mean... Um, a, a commitment to regular order, however, a top number imposed by the speaker, you know, behind clo- you know, negotiated behind uh, closed doors. Um, so it does not conflict with his commitment to regular order. However, it can be better. I'd like to think, I'd like to pass this off as being um, a necessary evil, given the situation that Speaker uh-huh. McCarthy, that former Speaker McCarthy left Johnson in. Um, but you ask a great question, um, and I'm hopeful that uh, in subsequent uh, uh, appropriations negotiations or, or processes that are shepherded by Speaker Johnson, that he will uh, 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 be fully committed to how things used to work, which is to say the top-line numbers are, are a function of what regular order produced as opposed to being you know, imposed, and then regular order is simply a a matter of how you spend that top line number. Well, I must point out that, of course, the fiscal year is half over, so it's about yeah. time that we can set something in stand. Hopefully, we'll do better for next year's uh, fiscal year. Be, before, here, here. before I let you go, I want to get an update on the Supreme Court's looking at the administrative se- uh, state. Uh, you know, it just uh, found out that apparently lead pipes are a problem across the nation, and the EPA's, EPA is thinking of imposing rules to require those pipes to be replaced within 10 years. Again, I just despise the fact that unelected officials could be opposing these types of requirements on the American citizens. What are your thoughts? Oh, it w- look, the administrative state um, is perhaps the foremost constitutional problem issue in this country right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> the biggest news item on this front would be, as you mentioned, the Supreme Court. Um, there's a case before the Supreme Court, SEC, Securities Exchange Commission versus Jarkissi. Um The long and short of it is, what this uh, the, the the case centers on the controversy is, um, or uh, allow uh, the extent to which these regulatory agencies can haul individuals into their in-house courts and thereby deprive these individuals of their Seventh Amendment rights to a jury uh-huh. um, is now squarely before the Supreme Court. So that there were oral arguments in this case, uh, Securities and Exchange Commission versus Jarkazi, 
Um, your listeners might have seen a Wall Street Journal op-ed or editorial about this case, the administrative state on trial, but it's a very big deal. And uh, a majority of justices signaled this week during oral arguments that they are very much open to ending this sort of practice, whereby these agencies can haul individuals into their in-house courts and charge them with million-dollar penalties um, without a jury, without uh, the Article Three protections of an impartial judge, um, et cetera. So it's a big deal, and uh, I, I urge your listeners to please keep an eye out for that because it could cause a major change in how the administrative state works. Boy, this is just great news. Great to hear that uh, we're making progress and, again, eliminating or limiting the uh administrative state here in the United States. Again, William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. Take a look at that, pacificlegal.org. Terrific website. William, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, Dr. Bob McClure. He's the president of the James Madison Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now we have with us Dr. Bob McClure. He is the president of the James Madison Institute. Uh, Dr. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the James Madison Institute. 
Well, the James Madison Institute is Florida's uh, largest uh, think tank, and we are based, Bob, in Tallahassee, where all the action is with the legislative process and obviously where the governor resides and those kinds of things. But we are a statewide organization. Uh, we, we do events uh, all across the state, including your neck of the woods, many times a year in the Naples-Fort Myers area. Uh, and we focus on advancing policies that uh, limit the role of government in our daily lives, that uh, promote free enterprise and free markets, that protect private property, um, and the rule of law, as you said in your opening. Our focus is on uh, doing those things and, uh, and working with the legislature to make sure that uh, what they're doing here in Tallahassee promotes those principles as well. As you well know, those principles when done properly, and Florida is the poster child for this, lead to economic opportunity for everyone, regardless of their station in life, in life and uh, economic prosperity. And so that is the role of the James Madison Institute. And your listeners can visit jamesmadison.org to learn more about who we are. Yeah, terrific organization. And uh, I think I credit the James Madison Institute with a lot of the success we've had in the state of Florida for giving great guidance in terms of policy and what's happening here, with, not only with our state legislature, but with the uh, with the governor. So, Dr. Bob, we, we uh, had a debate last night. Uh, I'm not sure many people know why it happened, but, but it was certainly interesting, a, a debate between Newsom, Gavin Newsom, and uh, uh, our governor, DeSantis. I want to get your thoughts. Well, there were a lot of fireworks, and I think what you uh, saw last night was a debate uh, between substance and style. Uh, Governor DeSantis clearly had the facts on his side. Every time a slide was put up um, on the screen, whether it was education, the economy, job growth, crime, housing, uh, energy prices, all of those kinds of things, um, Florida was typically top three, four, or five, California was near the bottom. Right. And so the governor did a great job of explaining to the American people why Florida leads the country in so many different areas. And it started, Bob, with this in-migration, out-migration. So there are, you know, more people moving to the state of Florida than any other state in the country. California is at the bottom. They can't, literally cannot keep U-Haul trucks in California because so many people are leaving the state because of the draconian tax structure and um, the, the regulatory environment. You can't run a business in California with the costs now imposed by Sacramento uh, and the bureaucrats of the state. And so what you saw were the facts on Governor DeSantis' side. He did a terrific job. But what you saw with Gavin Newsom was uh, pure uh, symbolism, uh, use of, of half-truths, uh, silver tongue, uh, and typically, as the left always does, does not answer the question, but returns fire uh, based on um, the old tropes of racism, uh, abortion, extremism, uh, health care for women, and those kinds of things. And so the Governor Newsom, while smooth, uh, never really answered the questions. He never focused on the issue at hand, right. while Governor DeSantis did. And so that is kind of the contrast that you had there last night. Well, I certainly agree with that. Uh, and what's interesting to me is the fact that he made the claim, now I'm talking about Gavin Newsom now, that our, our, the tax structure in California is less than in Florida. <laughs> 
I, I can't even say it with a straight face. Right. That's in Florida. And it, so it was, you know, pretty much ad hominem attacks on DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, as well as, I'm going to say, bold-faced lies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? You know, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it's these... These uh, these were sourced um, statistics from yeah. either the federal government or from uh, recognized um, um, research organizations, the Lancet, for example, uh, and other other organizations. These were not like you know right wing talking points, and yet Governor Newsom uh, chose to ignore them and focused on, as you said, on ad hominem attacks. In the old tropes that the left always falls on, when they cannot defend their policies, they turn to you and they begin to name call. And that's what you saw from Gavin Newsom. Uh, the whole idea of immigration, to say that Joe Biden has put forth a, the, a strong immigration yeah. bill is laughable. The Democrats had the House and the Senate for two years um, and could have at any point uh, put forth an immigration bill, and, and they never did. No. Uh, but they won't enforce just simply enforce the laws on the books. They won't do that. To say that the border is closed, I mean, Bob, you and I have seen the video, uh, videos. There are thousands of them. I mean, yeah. it is it is laughable to say that California has a lower uh, tax rate across the board than the state of Florida. We have no income tax. Uh, and, 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 and so, and, and the same thing was true on immigration. So that, that is what you see from Gavin Newsom and that's what you see from the left constantly. Well, I must say to me, I thought the real opportunity for DeSantis, for our governor was to highlight the successes here in the state of Florida. And <clears throat> they are substantial, substantial successes that we've had here. So I, I will say that it served that purpose is to allow him to do that. And uh, this, and as, as far as uh, Newsom is concerned, my guess is he wants very, this is kind of a, he's trying to run for for president, quite frankly. I think he, he plans to, uh, I think, uh, step into the, into the fray when, in fact, uh, Biden steps out. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think he's absolutely right. When the governor, when Governor DeSantis said he's running a shadow campaign, that's exactly what he's doing. That's why he goes to China. That's why he's traveling the country. That's why he goes to Washington D.C. Um, that's why he moderated some of his views as though he's talking tough on immigration. Different things like that. He is absolutely going to run for president uh, in 24 if Biden steps down, or in 28. The problem with 24 is that Kamala Harris is the, quote, rightful, end quote, heir should Biden step down by virtue of the fact of her position. And so should should Joe Biden step down and the Democrats toss an African-American woman aside uh-huh. for Gavin Newsom, the Democrats have a real problem. So and I, Gavin Newsom is a smart man. He knows that. So he's watching and waiting to see where and when his opportunity will be. It will come in 2024 or it will for sure come in 2028. And, of course, uh, we have uh, RFK Jr., who's uh, sitting in the wings. And uh, certainly, in my mind, if we had to have a Democrat uh, gov- uh, president, I, I certainly don't want that. But uh, my choice would be RFK Jr. He's got some bad policy ideas, I grant you that. But at least I think he's honest and uh, straightforward. I agree. I agree. And he has said some good things when it came to COVID. Yeah. Uh, he's he's right on um, some individual liberty, kind of this libertarian bent, some of the things he said on Joe Rogan's show and some other things like that. There's no doubt that he 
uh, has uh, some some sense of personal freedom and opportunity. But you're right. Do we agree with him on the climate change situation and some of the other things? Absolutely not. Right. But um, he's going to run as a third party. That's going to be very interesting to see uh, how that affects the Democratic Party, because obviously the Kennedy name is is so uh, steeped in the tradition of being a Democrat in the Democratic Party. So we'll have to see what happens going forward. I must say, the Democrat bench at this point looks so weak. I mean, can you imagine Kamala Harris becoming uh, the, the decided candidate for the Democrat Party? I just can't imagine that. Yeah, and I think she would lose 40 states, even against a man like Trump. I mean, she does, you know, Joe Biden sold himself as grandpa bringing, you know, sanity back to the family home, yeah. meaning this country and Washington, D.C. We all know how that turned out. But Kamala Harris um, doesn't can't sell that, and she can't sell policy. So I'm not sure what what she what she would offer to the American people. Plus, her numbers uh, as a VP are, are, are even worse than Joe Biden. So I really believe, no matter who the Republicans nominate, even Donald Trump, that that they are facing a you know a 35, 40 state bloodbath if Kamala Harris ends up being the nominee. And I think they know that. I think they would much prefer to have Gavin Newsom slide into that because he would be a formidable, formidable candidate, even though, um, you know, he speaks in half truths and untruths. He he is a smooth talker. Um, So but they have a problem. And that's because Kamala Harris is the rightful heir should Joe Biden step down. Now, when 2028 comes around, all bets are off. Gavin Newsom can run against Kamala Harris and let the chips fall where they may. But right now, the Democrats have a major, major problem. Joe Biden doesn't poll well, and I believe those polls, and I actually believe Trump is underperforming in the polls. So if he's up two or three, that tells you he's probably up uh, five or six. Absolutely. Again, people don't like to tell uh, pollsters they're voting for Trump. Uh, and if he doesn't, and if he steps aside, then they're in worse shape with Kamala Harris. Again, Dr. Bob McClure, president of the James Madison Institute. I encourage you to visit jamesmadison.org. Bob, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Robert, thanks for having me. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Matt Chionis. He's a real estate professional at Gulf Coast International Properties. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. And a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. 
You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets to some great performances coming up. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. Golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now we have with us Matt Chionis. He and his wife are real estate professionals here on the Paradise Coast. Matt, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Absolutely, Bob. Hey, thanks for having me on the broadcast. Always a pleasure, Matt. Tell us about your real estate practice. Yeah, so my wife and I, we are a real estate team down here on the Paradise Coast. Uh, we own a concierge real estate firm, and what we offer is a, a, a menu of concierge services for that are complimentary for buyers and sellers. Uh, we offer things such as complimentary home watch, property management, uh, some renovation oversight as well. Uh, so we have a, a full menu of options. Uh, if you're looking, we have great partnerships. If someone needs to charter a private jet or a yacht, uh, we have we have great partnerships with them. So really, we've created a full, really a true full service offering for people because people buying here that's a little different than buying in other parts of the country, and that's why we'll, we'll have some good tips for buying on the Paradise Coast today. Um, but we we wanted to make the transition as easy as possible for people and as simple as possible, and really give them a great experience to enjoy their lifestyle. Yeah, really, really a, a great, great choice of opportunities and and to uh, enhance your buying experience and selling experience. I might say the phone number phone number to call is two six nine fifty three ten two six nine fifty three ten. Well, you brought up first time home buyers here in the Paradise Coast. Any advice? Yes, we've got a couple of great tips we can go through. Uh, some tips for buying on the Paradise Coast. Mistakes to avoid, you, especially first-time buyers here, can definitely make. And so Naples is a large and growing place. It takes about 40 minutes to get from one end to the other without traffic. Uh, and it's, it's growing. There's an incredible amount of community that has been built recently, and there's more on the horizon. So we've got two quick Good tips here. Might get to a third one, but number one is understanding your lifestyle needs, and that that you sound like common sense, Bob. But you know, when when one neighborhood like Pelican Bay has sixty five communities in it, ninety 
five different associations, you want to make sure you find the right community. This is a, more of a daunting task than people anticipate. And so when working with a new buyer, we have a call with them. We have our custom intake form we've created to fully understand how we can best serve them and be laser targeted to help them find the right neighborhood. But the most important section we focus on is the lifestyle needs. Hmm. You're more than a bedroom bath account. You've worked hard to have your place in Naples and you want to maximize your lifestyle. And again, <laughs> Naples is a big place. So the main thing we focus on is uh, within the lifestyle is how will you be using the property and what what activities do you enjoy doing? How do you see yourself living here? So, you know, we focus on are you going to be here for a season, the occasional weekend, a full-time move, investments, a mix of these. Um, that's really going to dictate what kind of neighborhood we help you find. But the bit, one of the biggest takeaways, Bob, that we want people to understand is how you vacation here is different than how you live here. Yeah. Such an interesting point. I mean, one of the barriers to actually understanding the community is the fact that so many gated communities, it's, I mean, you can look in from the outside the gate, but you need a, a real estate professional in order to really understand the communities. And uh, it's important to, to have somebody that you can trust that, uh, you, that understands how the communities vary and what their differences are. Yes, this is different than buying anywhere else in the country, I can assure you. I lived in an HOA in Illinois. It is night and day different than here. And that's, we can stick with Pelican Bay as the example. You know, people with pickup trucks, buying in Pelican Bay is a hurdle. It's a challenge because you cannot have a pickup truck and park it outside in Pelican Bay. It could be the brand new $140,000 GMC Sierra. That's what, it doesn't matter. If it has an open bed, you cannot park a truck in Pelican Bay overnight. Wow. You have to have an enclosed garage. And so there's so many little nuances to all these neighborhoods. And that's why, you know, with what we do with our practice, we're very targeted in what we do. And there's areas we don't have a lot of experience in or don't know as well. We have no problem referring to an expert for that area because this is such an important decision and people can make mistakes. Yeah, and there's a lot of amenities in Pelican Bay, too. I mean, for example, the Marker 36, I believe, is the name of the, uh, right there on the Gulf of Mexico, a place to go down and have a, a beverage, have dinner or lunch, and uh, also enjoy the beautiful scenery and so forth, and, and uh, visit with the neighbors. It's, it's true. It has amenities that many people are not aware of. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then you've got the sandbar, which is the other restaurant there. And yeah, the, the one of the number one questions I get asked uh, is if I could live in any community in Naples, any neighborhood, which one would it be? Without hesitation, it's Pelican Bay and Bay Colony. There's there's nothing like that lifestyle, that experience. And is it is it for everyone? No, everyone has different lifestyle goals, of course. But that is such a special place in Naples that without question, that's where I think everyone should live. <laughs> That's a great point. Absolutely. We were at the uh, beach club last night uh, in uh, Bay Colony. And it just uh, one thought I had was just we're so lucky to be have this wonderful amenity to uh, to be able to enjoy uh, with, our, with our neighbors. It was uh, just a great experience. Matt Chionis, again, Gulf Coast International Properties is the uh, his affiliation. He and his wife, uh, Megan, 
uh, have real estate practice and has many specialties in, in, involved, and I hope you give them a call. It's 269-5310, 269-5310. Matt, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, Bob. Have a great rest of the day. You as well. Thank you. <clears throat> All right, coming up. Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Offices located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Uh, they help elected officials have winning strategies. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He also is an author. He's written many books. His latest is Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. I have it right here in front of me. It's a great read. I hope you take a look at it. Also, he writes a column for Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. He writes it about three times a week. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Oh, it's always a pleasure to have you on, Professor. And... uh, You've written a column here, Free Market Purchasers Unplugged from Electric Vehicles. This is a big deal, and it's so important. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, you know, there's this big push, of course, to save the planet by uh, going all electric. And uh, I guess the notion is with green energy, you just plug them into a tree somewhere. <laughs> but it's not, it's not apparently working out real well, the... You know, they're not selling. You know, there was a first wave 
where, where they were, I guess, kind of a novelty. And a lot of people bought them, particularly, you know, people that were quite well off, urban drivers bought them as a second car. Uh, but they they use them for city driving, and then had a, had a, a standard internal combustion car for for trips and so on. And so, uh, you know, I think the the thought was that these are going to really be, you know, big winners, and uh, they haven't been. And and they're 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 um, stacking up in in dealer in dealer lots right now, and. Despite all the subsidies that that were pumping into them, um, he's quite a concern for dealers uh, because you know they've they've got they've got loans on, on, on these these cars and uh, it's I don't know that it's going to get much much better. You know I've I've been railing against this for some time. I think you know people. People should drive where they want to drive. It's, it's a it's a free world. Uh, but electric cars, uh, they just don't work. Electric vehicles don't work for a lot of people, and they certainly don't have any anything good for the planet. Uh, there, you know, when you consider that that electricity has to come from somewhere, it just doesn't you know come out of some wall socket you know magically. Most of it comes from, you know, from uh, fossil energy, particularly natural gas yeah. turbines. So, uh, you know, when you have government uh, uh, control society, you know, control uh, controlling demand, uh, it doesn't work out well. It certainly doesn't. I mean, we're taxpayers are subsidizing us. I, I read as much as fifty thousand dollars per car. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's unbelievable what we're doing, and, and of course, the uh, science is flawed that supports this whole thing, as you're as you're pointing out, uh, because uh, uh, what happens, what fuels the energy sources for these cars is, in many cases, as coal plants who are creating and gas, uh, uh, natural gas that uh, create the power to charge these vehicles. Yeah, that's it's it's a huge. It's a huge issue. First of all, you know our our energy grids are already uh, pretty much overwhelmed, and and uh, you know, at the same time they're pushing intermittent wind and solar energy to which was a transition to, and it's absolutely crazy because uh, you know so many reasons. Yeah. The output is is very anemic. The you know it costs just so much to build these huge structures. I'm talking particularly about wind, and uh, they're only they're only good for about fifteen years, maybe twenty years at most. Yeah, even less than you put them offshore because of water corrosion, and they have a very short life and humongously expensive to build. They're intermittent. There are periods when vast areas of the country don't have wind. Uh, winter, in the winter times, they can freeze up when you when you need them. And uh, solar, of course, is you know only available 
certain hours and under certain solar con- sun conditions. So none of these make any sense. And then on top of that, it makes us dependent on these in the batteries for these the rare earth materials. Uh, about 85 percent of them are controlled by China yeah. and, uh, and or or Congo in case of cobalt, and they're in this case in that case mined by child labor and China Uyghur slave labor and. You know, this is just really ugly, ugly stuff. And then, as you mentioned, you know, you can kind of, you know, you should hope that people who are driving them uh, appreciate your generosity because as a taxpayer, you're paying about $50,000 for every every car they drive. Right. It's, it's really, uh, it's really, a, I'd call it a scam and in many senses, it is. Yes, but but it's it's really a a government fraud, and uh, it's not going to end well. No, it's not. And I think some of the free market is beginning to realize this. I know that Ford has put off its uh, truck development, electric truck development, for a year. I know that uh, uh, large energy companies are beginning to buy uh, land and buy opportunity for uh, producing more uh, carbon-based fuel. And uh, I think it's just because they realize this whole thing is going to implode and that people are going to go back to uh, uh, regular internal combustion engines. Well, you also understand that, you know, they're not, electric vehicles are not efficient in cold weather. Yeah. And so about half the, as I understand it, about half the vehicles sold are in California. Very temperate climate. And, uh, and and then when you're driving in the in the cold, you've also got the heater on, which which consumes electricity and and uh, reduces the mileage. And so, you know, they're they're and, and then if you go to you know larger vehicles, they need larger batteries, more rarers, and we're we're tying ourselves into a a horrible supply chain. Uh, lock up in, in, in terms of you know China can cut off our you know access to the the materials. Uh, so once they choke off the industri- you know the internal combustion engines, and and don't and you know people get confused with these terms, but electric hybrids. That run on, on gasoline when it's most efficient and electricity when it's most efficient, I think, are wonderful because mm-hmm. they make they technically make sense. And my son's got one, and uh, and they're they're really you know they they really are efficient. They really are good. So, really talking exclusively about the plug-in electric vehicles, yeah, that uh, you know that. And you want to recharge them at night when the sun isn't shining, and when you know when uh, the wind may not be blowing, which it isn't much of the time. Uh, there's just it just, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. No, it's, it certainly and, does. And perf- you have to believe that that there's a lot of uh, you know, graft involved. 
Absolutely. In fact, uh, just another way that Bidenomics is working for us. <laughs> Again, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries. I hope you check it out. Also, visit Newsmax.com and uh, t- look at uh, Professor Bell's column. It's called On Point. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, We've got some great guests lined up for Monday, including John Millimore. He is the editor-at-large for Fee.org. We'll visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. And we'll also uh, visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author now of some terrific murder mysteries. I really appreciate your listening to the show. And if you enjoy it, I hope you'll tell your friends. That's one of the ways that we reward our advertisers. And we can't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>